Koto, welcome to Nurtured TLC podcast. Um, this is our part two of our accidental two-part series about the month of confinement and confinement centres. So um, this episode we will be discussing my reactions to a podcast by a Taiwanese obstetrician and media personnel about modern um, confinement practices mainly centered around confinement centers in Taiwan. I hope you find this episode interesting. So the um, podcast is a conversation between obstetrician and um, a like she's like a media person. Oh right. Um, so like a reporter type person. Um, so she has two kids and an obstetrician has no children. It's just it has I guess all the hallmarks of um, like breastfeeding promotion gone wrong. Yeah. So so they talk a lot about people feeling pressured to breastfeed and you know how it's not an enjoyable experience and and then I and I have it it just for me it's it's a sign that like this postpartum period because of lack of understanding of lactation physiology and the fourth trimester and and how the whole attachment and neuroscience process goes it's reduced to recovering from birth and milk production if you if you want to breastfeed um but they're creating the conditions that make it difficult for people to establish their milk production plus learn how to breastfeed and then the people want to breastfeed and, and they're being pressured. And the people who don't want to breastfeed, they're also being pressured to make milk. Well, like I'm just contrasting this with something I've read recently in a doula forum for people who give postnatal support that it was just a very simplistic way to describe it, but I kind of like it. So they say one, so it's a four week cycle, one week in bed, one week on your bed, one week near your bed, and then one week around the house. So, and all of that implies that the baby is with you the majority of the time and other people are doing all of the other things that are necessary for life to continue. So if there's a toddler, somebody else is, you know, keeping the toddler entertained and cared for and the food is being prepared and brought and the washing is magically getting done so I don't know I thought that was more of a helpful idea than taking the baby away and it's not so prescriptive and like you can't do this you can't do that and then and then I guess it all like the the guilt gets layered on because there's also like you is a morality attached to it like good and bad mother yeah exactly if you don't breast like don't you care about your baby why wouldn't you want to breastfeed the pressure but none of the support (laughs) yeah like they've taken away all the enjoyable parts right the things that actually make it worth doing which is the cuddling and the sniffing and the stroking and it's things that happen between breastfeeds and I think we still don't we don't have that right And you know that I rail about this all the time, about the lack of skin to skin, that so much of our current modern culture here is, sounds something like feed one breast for 10 minutes or 15 or whatever they say, 
change the nappy, put the clothes on, because you're done with skin to skin now, do the second breast, and then bundle the baby up into a cot. And people feel like they've, they've done the right thing. Like I've ticked the boxes and I've I've done what I was instructed to do. And that supposedly, I mean, I hear it from everybody. So it's very standardized kind of instruction. So they feel like they're doing it right. And, and they're surprised when they, when the baby, for example, loses too much weight and has jaundice. And, you know, when the baby three hours have passed and they bring this precious baby out of its wrapped up warmth and stick it near, take all the clothes off and stick it near a nipple and the baby's like screaming and then latches and falls asleep immediately because it's, and then they think, okay, well, I did tick the boxes. So I guess we're, and then the, they get the weight loss at whatever day. And it's like, you know, down 300 grams or whatever. Like, oh, but I did it all right. And it's done in like, in, in, in the, in the name of, you know, supporting breastfeeding or promoting breastfeeding. So it makes you think that if I follow these instructions, like it should work. Yeah. Like it's just a big tangled mess. It's not how the physiology works, but it's it's being sold as this is this is how it should work. You'll succeed if you do these things. And women feel cheated when they don't. Or they feel like a failure, which just that's heartbreaking. Oh yeah. That's it's even just worse. Heartbreaking. Yeah. Like like if you if you get if you if you come to that inside of feeling cheated, I think that's actually progress. Most people just think that right. they failed because Agreed. they followed all the instructions, they did all the right things, but their body must not be good enough because, or, or their baby, because it's not working. But actually, the instructions weren't like the environment wasn't set up to facilitate the two of you learning to breastfeed or, or spending time together, even. So, just going back to my great grandmother's work in supporting women, like what I was always told about, I didn't meet her, but what I was told about her is that she would go to a woman's house for the first month and stay with the family in their home, take care of the toddler, chop the wood, cook the soup, tend the chickens, um, just do everything to facilitate the mother hanging out in bed until she felt ready you know, because births can be different. Sometimes you feel up and around sooner than others. But her job was, you know, the mother's role was just to be with the baby and nothing else. And she would be checking, you know, checking to make sure that the baby is feeding and the mother's body is recovering. She would be doing a little bit of that, but the majority of... Just making the house run. Yeah, yeah, it was the admin. <laughs> yeah, that's lovely though. And, and that's the... The hardest part of mothering, really, the <laughs> house admin. Yeah. Well, especially if you have chickens and wood to chop to make the fire to cook the soup, you know, it was not that simple. The time the time consuming part, isn't it? Yeah. And, and the other thing that made it feel really negative was just all the restrictions. So, like, I think it's lovely to have somebody to facilitate you spending all the time with your baby. But at the same time, if you don't want to, or if you you know, want to go and take a shower or go for a walk or something like that, then having that support person there. Oh, did you fall down? Ha. <laughs> ha, <laughs> you're happy now. Yeah, so, 
So they they make like bonding feel like a painful homework. Like you have to do this because you're not allowed to do anything else. Um, one of the tips she gave for people considering booking into the confinement center was make sure you get a window with with your room. <laughs> end up in prison if you don't get a window. And 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 I mean oh, they're awful. not like they're not. You know, locked in or anything, but whenever they wanted to go out, then they have they they need to let the people know that they're heading out, and and then they're met with judgment, like, "Oh, are you sure you want to go out? That's not a good idea." So, so it does like end up making you feel like you're in prison. Well, and just going back to what you were describing, like how this yin period is supposed to be. If you feel helpless and emotional and vulnerable. How is yeah. that helping? And and you're stuck in a room with no windows, no baby. Like none of the nice hormones are linking up. It's all just like it's it's like the experience of parents with children uh, with babies in the new the, the neonatal intensive yeah. care unit. Yeah. Yeah. Like the worst part is often that separation. You don't get to hold your baby. You have to pump all the time because you're trying to provide milk for your baby even though you can't hold them. Like it's very clinical and, and right. there's lots of separation. Like people get traumatized by that. And, and and here we have a system that's telling people that you should, this is what you should be doing and, and we're going to take lots of money from you. Routinely. Perfectly, perfectly healthy baby. We're taking them away. and uh. Well, I, I feel like the, the lack of empowerment and adaptation to roll like you can't feel competent doing a new thing unless you practice it it has to be kind yeah. of you do things a certain number of times and you start to feel like okay this is not so new anymore it yeah. actually delays that process yeah and and the other thing they mentioned is um so you get discharged after a month or however long you can afford to stay there for and then they mentioned that are oh, some of the the nurses will kind of give them some advice about their baby. So, like, one of the things that was their pet peeve was, oh, sometimes the nurses will come out and say, oh, you have a high-needs baby, like, things like that. And, and and I mean, you know, that that's a negative for the way <laughs> a, a new parent will feel about their baby or, or like, wow. there's the, the mythical angel baby, they call it. So the, you know, the unicorn, I guess, is what, what we would, the word we would use. So the, the low... <laughs> low signalers perhaps um and, and and so that's your first month of getting to know your baby and somebody else has been looking after them and they come out the expert in with a judgment what your baby's personality is like like oh, i goodness. feel like that they're robbed of you know we always say that the parents tend to know their baby best like they're the ones that spend most of the time with the baby they know what the baby is like and they get to know them and, and so these new parents are robbed of being the expert in their own baby on top that of is everything. terrible. Yeah. Well, and also the, again, going back to the high needs baby, are they being high needs or are they really objecting to this care that they're being given? Yeah. Like, where is my mother? And I think it's just that whole, you know, the good baby myth. Like I we mm. talked about, I'm pretty sure we talked, we would have talked about yeah. this before. Yeah. Like, that the the good baby is one that doesn't 
um, object to separation and um, sleeps all the time and you barely notice they're there. <laughs> yeah, it, but it, all of the, the, the system oh. seems set up to make that less likely because babies are most content when they're touching and smelling and hearing their mother's body. Absolutely. And it makes it like a bad thing, I guess. It's like, oh, you have a high needs baby. They're going to have to hold them. And it's, that's going to be terrible. <laughs> your baby wants to be held. Instead of congratulations, your baby is normal and healthy. Well done. <laughs> so I, I listened to this. I made the mistake of listening to it at like bedtime because that's when I usually I breastfeed my kids when I listen to my podcast. <laughs> it made it hard for me to sleep. I was just like, I can't believe this is happening. And now you then you had bad dreams. <laughs> well, I don't think I had a bad dream, but I definitely woke up still thinking about it. Like, oh, I have to tell Teresa. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just wish we could kind of create a system where we could take the the positive component of postnatal support because doing it alone is not a great option. I don't think that's no. the way we're meant to do things either. So that kind of American style rugged individualism and you do it all yourself and don't complain about it and get on with it. That's not terribly functional either. This one is grumpy because she's discovered all the power cables. (laughs) (laughs) She's not allowed to play with. She has exploring needs that are in conflict with what's happening. With with safety. And safety. Hmm. (laughs) It's hard to understand electricity at that age. Lisa's obsession is cables and cords and things she can pull on and unplug mm-hmm. yeah so what do you think <laughs> yeah i think we should create a commune for for women to raise their babies in a supportive healthy environment mm-hmm. Pod, pods of families that can rely on each other in a village like structure that's my solution <laughs> i just want to I want to live in a commune of La Leche League leaders. Totally. <laughs> they, they will bring me food and, and hold my baby if I want them to, but not if I don't want them to. But not cross and, the boundaries. Yeah, yeah and, and, and a decent number will be lactating, so if I need extra milk. <laughs> Always a bit to spare. Yeah. Yeah, that would be my favorite. I always I tell people like I would be such a great neighbor for somebody with a wakeful child because I'm usually awake at some ungodly hour anyway. Mm. Like, yeah, I and you love cuddling babies. And I would do that. Like, go sleep. I'll play with the baby. Yeah, who's not interested in plus, sleeping at that point in time? Plus, you recognize feeding cues, and you're not yeah. gonna space them out or feed them inappropriately yeah don't want to ignore them or dismiss them i just feel like these solutions are set up in the culture that doesn't understand how breastfeeding works and like even even setting 
they call them um, KPI, so key performance indicators. So if you add it, some some people are like, oh, you know, if we add breastfeeding rates to that, then people will take notice and do things that promote it. But like, you can't. A lot of things you can't measure, and everyone is so individual. So, like, what's right for one person isn't going to be right for another person. But then, if you make a standard, like everybody needs to do this thing, some people will definitely hate it. What does need to be individualized? And, and so far, like we've managed to take all the least enjoyable parts <laughs> and forced it on people rather than and, and I and I guess like I guess those things are measurable so the number of feeds how much milk you pump um the length of time you spend skin to skin like that's measurable whereas I find the nice things about breastfeeding you really can't or or, or you know holding your baby it's really hard to quantify totally totally true and it's all time consuming and you're spending time getting to know each other and connecting and like it just doesn't fit well with our efficiency models and there's a a pretty fair amount of time spent doing it wrong and learning from that as well wrong I put in air quotes yeah but finding your own individual groove for what's right for you as a parent, what's right for your individual child. You and I both have, what do we have? Seven kids between us. Mm -hmm. They're different little people and they're different big people as they grow. So how do we expect everybody to fit into a square box? Like you and I have a lot of things in common, but we're not going to be the same either. Yeah, exactly. And, And even if you just even take the reductionist, like just the lactation piece, like, if I was running into trouble, I'd be getting, expressing and pumping early on. Whereas for you, you know, you tend to make all the milk. Like, that's the last thing you want to do. That's the worst idea for me. Right. Yeah. Like, understanding the individual need. Yeah. And if you set everyone up to do the same plan, like, it's just never going to work. And, and you end up... One in, size fits none. Yeah. In, in the situation of promotion, but pressuring people with support that's not necessarily right for them yeah it's it's generalized and it's not specific enough which again if we had our village that wouldn't happen um yeah I guess the sad thing about this conversation is it's kind of a a big heavy sigh because it's not the way it should be Mm. it's not right it's not right in a lot of places including our beautiful Aotearoa yeah not it's just not what it needs to be and and how do we change that the funny thing is so Aotearoa is pretty like westernized so people will idealize that oh it would be so nice if we had you know this culture of confinement and you know having a properly nurturing fourth trimester and actually listening to these commentators in Taiwan they they long for just being able to go home rather than having to stay somewhere or have your relatives descend upon you with all their rules (laughs) um just like being able to spend time with your partner and your baby and and they also have issues with um paternity leave as well so so they it's so interesting hearing them with an idealized view of how people in Western countries do it. Where it's probably neither of those scenarios are completely right. And there are elements of each one that could be useful, but 
not as a whole. Isn't it amazing they can just eat whatever they want without guilt? People aren't telling them they can't eat an ice cream. And wash their hair when they want to. Yeah, or, or, or they can leave the house and go for a walk. Yeah, ni- neither neither is ideal. But yeah, this is interesting, this grass is greener uh, feeling. Yeah, and that goes both directions. Mm. And, and I think that, yeah, from my own postnatal experience, it led me to kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater when I had this opportunity to have something better than, yeah, and I rejected it. (laughs) I felt bad about it later, that I could have had some better support than I did. You always do the best you can with what you know, and we, we grow up in the culture that we're immersed in, so... It's all, it is all you know, mm. really. It's a good conversation, though, Katie. I think it's important to um, to do some comparing and contrasting, mm. and to to realize the that there's some value in in tradition, but limitations as well. Mm, definitely. Mm. Yeah, and that's why whenever people talk about oh, confinement, it's so great. Like, I'm always a little bit like. Oh. Yes, but <laughs> that depends. Depends greatly. So the solution is definitely not doing it all on your own, but it's it's really having finding the right support, isn't it? Yeah, just identifying what's really needed mm. versus what and and what is a commercial, you know, money making scam is the other thing that I think people are running into as well. Substituting buying things for the human comforts all right um i better go nice to catch up and be slightly ranty (laughs) likewise katie i i appreciate your your thoughtfulness and considering some of these things just to yeah give your give your perspective that's really valuable for me to hear thanks Teresa, and yours too i want to hear more about the the old american confinement well, my mom is coming in just another month or so, so maybe we can have her talk about some of the good old days, things that she knows, fun stories. Yeah. From her Sounds great. catching babies years. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go and do some parenting. Thanks, Teresa. Catch you later. Bye. Good to talk to you. Bye. Just a quick boring disclaimer, none of the information discussed in the podcast is um, is supposed to be medical advice. If after listening to this podcast you have any specific questions, feel free to reach out. We'll put our email address in the show notes.